Hello and welcome to Mount Podmore, the political podcast of the Rapid City Journal. I'm your host, Seth Tupper. My guest today is Christopher Motts, who is from Sioux Falls and is the first executive director of the South Dakota Catholic Conference. It's a newly created conference that exists to serve as the official voice of the bishops of South Dakota on issues of public policy. Well, Chris Motz, welcome to the Mount Potmore Political Podcast. Happy to be here. Thanks for the invitation. So uh, I want to start, and you probably got this question a bunch of times already, so I apologize if it's old for you, but I have to start by asking, uh, you know, we've all been told that uh, we shouldn't mix religion and politics when, you know, if we want to get along with people. <laughs> and so you have a job where it right. seems to me that's your job, is to mix religion and politics. So how do you handle that? Well, it makes Thanksgiving dinner really tough. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, it's kind of an interesting question, um, and uh, delicately is maybe one way to approach it, um, but also to just to name it right up front that this is this is hard for some people to talk about sometimes, but it's but it's okay. Um, neighbors can talk about things like that. Yeah. People who live together can talk about things like this. Can they and get along? Sure, <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, we're in trouble if they can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, if, do you think it's gotten harder, though, in society to talk about those things without getting into a, you know, a heated debate or fight or something? Well, I, I mean, I think, just maybe let me step, step back a little bit. I, uh, before stepping into my current role, um, I served in the Marines a number of years. I was a Marine oh. Infantry Officer in 2005. I was sitting in a classroom in Quantico, Virginia, and uh, a three-star general kind of stepped to the front of this room. Uh, full of young lieutenants. I was a young lieutenant at the time. It was a man named uh, General James Mattis. He's lieutenant general. Yeah. And he said, uh, young men, young women, um, your job is to defend the experiment. Defend the experiment. Yeah. The American. The American experiment. Yeah. You know, and that's what it is. Yeah. Right. You know, the the outcome isn't isn't set. It isn't uh, predetermined. We, we kind of have to work for it. Um, every person, every family, every every block and neighborhood, you, you've got to you've got to work for it. Um, and working for it requires that we we speak with one another. It's kind of interesting. Um, General Mattis and I have no ideas with religious affiliation. Um, it was, he's now Secretary of Defense, and uh, when he was. Stepping into that role, there was a guy at the New Yorker magazine. Uh, I think it's Dexter Filkins was interviewing. He said, "What are you, you know? What are you worried about stepping into this role? What What are you most worried about?" What do you think he said? I don't know. Yeah, like working with Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. I mean, Secretary of Defense wasn't wasn't worried about Iran. wasn't worried about China. wasn't worried about Russia. He's worried about civil discourse. Okay. Um, it's important. It's yeah. like it's important to our to our life together regardless of, of where you're, you're coming from. Yeah. So. You talked about, so as a Marine, you were defending the American experiment. Um, in your job now, do you feel like you're, you're uh, uh, protecting the, the experiment that is freedom of religion in, uh, in America? Uh, I wouldn't even narrow it down to the, I, I would just stay with the first premise. You know, mm -hmm. um, when I visit with, um, with South Dakotans about freedom of religion, it's it's first in our Bill of Rights because it's important. It's important not just for you and me as individuals, 
who are wanting to practice our faith every day of the week, it's important. It's important to our, to our life together. It's number one because it's actually um, it's good for the common good. Mm-hmm. To what is just to the, um, to exercise one's faith. Okay. Um, and I think one of the distinctions it's important uh, to highlight is um, <clears throat> there's there, there can be a, a tendency at times. Uh, for people to think that freedom of religion means freedom of worship, keep it in your church on Sunday, yeah, um, or in your mosque on Friday, or in your synagogue on Saturday. Um, I mean, that's not what the Constitution says. It says freedom of religion. And really, that's that's what it requires. Is that we? I mean, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to like compartmentalize one's one's life like that. Oh, I'm I'm this person on this day, but then I'm a completely different person the other six days of the yeah. week. It doesn't work. Yeah, it's not. It's not authentic. Yeah. Um, so. Okay. I want to back up a little bit. As I understand it, this is a relatively newly created job. So I wonder if you could um, give the background on why didn't this job exist before, and why does it exist now? Sure. Um, well, the, the South Dakota Catholic Conference is the forty-third state to have a Catholic conference. Um, and uh, maybe it'd even be helpful to just say what it is. Sure. Um, it is the institutional ambassador to the public square on behalf of the Roman Catholic Church in South Dakota. So I, I work for Bishop Robert Gruce. He's the bishop of the Diocese of Rapid City. And Bishop uh, Paul Swain, the bishop of the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Um, I'm, I'm their eyes, ears, and um, at, at their discretion, occasionally their voice on matters of law and public policy. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, in that regard, I'm engaging in the public square, happy to, to visit with uh, public officials, uh, visit with um, civic groups, churches, visit with secular reporters who aren't Catholic. Like it's, um, it's, it's a mission in the public square. Why does it exist um, now and it didn't before? Um, well, the, the Catholic conferences... Uh, that exist in other states were born um, following the Second Vatican Council, which was a period um, for the Catholic Church in which the leaders of the church were really trying to think through how do we engage the modern the modern world? Um, the gospel doesn't change. The good news is the same yesterday, today, and, and always. But... Um, uh, uh, how are we communicating it? Are we communicating it in a way that is um, uh, that is readily received? So um, it, it's and it's been described by some as a, a missionary council, like with this this impulse of um, telling once more the good news story of the Christian faith to the world. Um, and it's through this lens that we can see um, the birth and growth of Catholic conferences in various states. There truly is missionary flavor to it. Um, so, what if you said this is the forty? There was forty-three others, or this is the forty-third. I forget which one. But sure. Um, um, why did it take so long for South Dakota to do this, and why? Why now? Yeah, maybe that's a. Um, I guess I don't know what the perception is, but the Catholic Church, you know, the Pope in Rome. Okay, he's. It's it's not exactly um, um, like the military, where there's an order that flows down. That uh, individual bishops uh, have a lot of um, authority within their own jurisdiction, and 
the, the church, as I kind of alluded to earlier, is organized on a diocesan level. So there is geographic territory that may or may not align with a particular boundary of a state. So the boundary of the yeah. geopolitical thing we call South Dakota happens to overlap uh, to um, Catholic diocese. And it was, it was just time that the, the bishops thought, okay, we've, um, I think in the past it had been more on an ad hoc uh, level. Um, but the, the time that they, uh, came that they just thought it would be beneficial to be a little more organized and, and speak with uh, a common voice on policy matters across the state. You mentioned the importance of civil discourse. Did the, the breakdown of civil discourse in our country, was that a catalyst for the creation of this? No, I think actually, um, the, I think the, the discussions about this have been going on for many, many years. As I said, it's kind of, this is, um, it's been a slow and steady steady trickle for the last 50 years. Um, okay. Yeah, so it, okay. I, I think it would be wrong to equate the two. So yeah. uh, we talked about why, why this was created, but why did you want this job? What made you interested in this? Well, um, I guess two reasons. Um, I've kind of already um, mentioned a bit of my military service. I just, I, I'm, a, I'm a young guy from South Dakota. I just happen to love my country a lot. Um, I, I've had the honor and pleasure of, of serving with uh, some of America's finest young men and women, and I, I think the American experiment is um, is one of the greatest things uh, that I've I've had the pleasure of serving. Um, the other piece of that is um, that I am I'm gung ho all in for uh, for Christianity, um, and for me it's not. Um, it's born of a relationship with the Lord. It's not. It's not just uh, an ethical decision. Like, oh, this is, this is a good way of life, and I follow the. If I follow these rules, things will work out okay with me. It's not merely like an ethical choice. It's an encounter with a person, uh, who's come to to save me. It's come to save everybody, and uh, an encounter with that person that has really given my life um, a decisive direction and opened up a horizon. Um, that is, for me, um, one of the things that I, I guess you might say marks my work and it makes it meaningful to me. And that's a dumb question. You are Catholic, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, very fair question. And, uh, did you uh, grow up Catholic? Yeah, I, okay. I, I was raised in a Catholic family. Um, although I had, a, when I was a, a younger uh, guy during college, I had like a profound moment um, in, in period, there was a period of time, and even a moment I can point to, of just a real deepening of the faith, and taking something that was given to me as a child, but actually exercising my own mind and will, and choosing it for myself in a real way. So when was that? Um, yeah, it, it was in uh, June of 2004, and Catholics believe that, that Christ is present in the Eucharist, and, um, and I just had a a real deep experience of, of prayer before the Blessed Sacrament. Okay. And so, um, what exactly do you see as your mission in this job then? Yeah, it's... Um, to be an ambassador is, is a really important thing. Um, you know, when I'm, when I'm up in the Capitol during the legislative session, I do wear a lobbyist badge. Um, but the church is not a special interest group. It's not a political action committee. Um, it, it doesn't endorse uh, political parties. It doesn't endorse candidates. Um, 
Okay. It's an advocate, uh, an ambassador for for truth. Are you yourself a member of uh, any political party? No. No. Are you independent, Democrat, Republican? Um. Yeah, I. That's a. Uh, a question. I, no, 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 that's okay. Nobody's asked me that question yet, and I've kind of been giving it some thought. I, it, it kind of actually fits with kind of my background as a, as a Marine, too, because Marines are super, like, apolitical. Mm-hmm. The point is we're just there to serve. Like, the experiment is good, and we're there to serve it. So one of my messages when I'm speaking with, um, with Catholics across the state, it's like faithful citizenship. Uh, the, the church isn't going to tell you. Um, and to be clear, when I'm speaking, I'm speaking for the bishops. So um, it, it's a deliberate uh, choice for me in that sense to not register. Um, but when I'm speaking with individual Catholics, it's like the church supports you. You want to register as a Democrat? Go get them. Mm-hmm. You want to register as a, as a Republican? Go for it. You, you've got a crazy idea for a third party? Like... Um, Love God and do as you will. Yeah. Like, th- those are the words of a, uh, a famous saint. So the point is, like, form your conscience, um, form your mind, like, actually uh, pursue truth and go out into the public square. The, the political vocation, um, in the church's view, is a vocation of, of the lay faithful, um, okay. not, of, not of the clergy, uh, who, who I speak. Okay. You mentioned Peer, um, so you spent some time in Peer this session, uh, apparently. Yeah. What, I was wondering if you tell me what bills were you active on. Uh, I assume you lobbied on some bills. What, what, what were some of them? I took, um, the Catholic Conference took positions in support of um, Senate Bill 110 and House Bill 1123, if I'm remembering that right. So Senate Bill 110 um, was uh, a bill strengthening some of the responsibilities Pregnancy Help Centers, uh, 1123, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, if it's 1123, it was a bill that would have yeah. would have banned uh, the death penalty for the seriously mentally ill. Okay. So, um, and as I just mentioned, like the, the church herself um, isn't, the, isn't the political party, so when I'm, you know, testifying before a committee um, on, on both of those different bills, I'm getting all sorts of different people patting me on the back. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on the particular right. bill. Were people in peer, were legislators surprised to see you there, to see somebody uh, from the Catholic Church in the position that you have now? Or um, I don't know if the church has had um, you know, lobbyists per se, or is, is this a new thing that, that legislators are seeing from the church? Um, yeah, the, one of the dioceses has, a, has had a presence in peer in the past. Um, you know, I think it's, I, I couldn't speculate uh, as, to, as to whether they were surprised or not. Um, I felt I was warmly received, and, mm-hmm. and um, th- there is a, a, a bit of a challenge to um, when you're wearing a lobbyist badge. It's like, oh, you're a lobbyist. Okay, yeah, yeah I, I guess I'm wearing a lobbyist badge. But I'll say it again. I'm going to say it. I'm sure I'll say it many, many more times. Like the, the church is not a special interest group. Really, the the goal is the common good. The the motto of the South Dakota Catholic Conference is "Quarite pacem civitatis." It's from uh, Jeremiah 29. It's seek the good of the city. Okay. So, um, if I can, you mind if I? Yeah. So, 
the Jews are in exile, they're in Babylon, they're a little cranky, um, and they, they just want everything perfect right now. Yeah, mm -hmm. just deliver us is essentially what's their complaint. We're, we're sick of this. Mm -hmm. We don't like Babylon. Um, th through the prophet Jeremiah, the Lord uh, sends, sends word, mm -hmm. and he, he tells them, you're, you're going to be there a while. Um, you need to do a couple things. You need to build houses. You need to plant gardens. You need to, to give your children in marriage, essentially establish families and establish a livelihood. And then he says, uh, seek the good of the city. Um, and I just, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Marine and a Catholic that I like the Latin. But Quirite Pacem Civitatis is, is seek the peace of the, the city, or it could be translated the state, you know, the, um, the unit of, of government. Because um, to its good, your own is tied. So it's like, we're all in this together, Seth. No, there's no, there's no you versus me. It's like we're, um, yeah. I'm not sure all the legislators feel the same way, but <laughs> you know, and it's good to, it's good to say that people appreciate that. Like, yeah. um, they do. Yeah. Um, that's kind of back to General Mattis again. He's like, he uh, an interview he just gave the other week. He's like, I wish we could just like sit down and disagree with one another. And go have a beer. Sure. You know? Yeah. Um, like, and, and disagreeing with one another is actually really important. Um, the exercise of free speech, the act, actually the very first public defense of free speech uh, as, as a human right was made by a Catholic named Thomas More. He was a speaker of the House of Commons uh, in England in, in the early 16th century. And the reason he said it was important to have the freedom of speech that's how we get at the truth. Like that's how we, you know. Yeah. That's how we take different angles at it, and that's how we. That's how we. That's how we get there. I want to ask you. You mentioned the, the one of the bills you took a position on was about abortion, and I would assume that um, given our, our politics and the, and the debate around that issue, some people will hear that the Catholics have a lobbyist. They're gonna they're gonna assume that you're pretty much a, an anti-abortion lobbyist. Uh, that's gonna be an assumption that some people will make. I assume. How would how would you respond to that? I'm not anti anything. I'm for I'm all my folders, my my little file folders. They're all green. They're all green lights. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm for life is what I okay. am. So, um, you, you know, I guess you can characterize that however you choose to. But it's like life is life is a good. Um, it, it's a good for every single pure, every single person. Um, but born or not, and uh, you assume when when you, how do you decide what, what bills you'll take a position on? I mean, what's the what do you bring to a review of bills that says we're going to take a position on that and that, and not other things? Yeah, it's uh, there's a um, there's a bit of judgment in there, and I, I don't know if I can say this, but the devil's in the details. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So we you know we look at each uh, each bill one at a time. Okay. You mentioned the other one was the death penalty, and I think I, I read this in one of your pieces in the in the uh, newsletter, um, West River Catholic, um, that uh, uh, you were surprised that a lot of people don't know the Catholic positions on on the on capital punishment on the death penalty. So, what is, can you uh, tell me? What is what is the Catholic position on the on the death penalty? It's opposed to it, okay. um, and it's it's nuanced. Again, I mean. They, 
the devil's in the details. Like there, it actually so, the um, and it's all in the catechism. Like I should have brought one up for you because it's 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 all right there. Like there are with the Catholic Church, there are no secrets. Um, it's all in writing. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's all written down. So with abortion, for example, it's what we call an intrinsic evil. It's always wrong. It can never be okay. Um, with the death penalty, um, the traditional teaching of the Catholic Church has not excluded recourse to the death penalty when necessary to protect society. So you can go look at it's paragraph 2267 for any of your listeners. Okay. <laughs> Google it, paragraph 2267 of uh, the Catholic Catechism. Okay. Um, but there's a, there's a very beautiful document um, that the paragraph is, is based on. It's called Evangelium Vitae, which means the Gospel of Life. It's written by John Paul II. It goes on to say, in paragraph 2267, um, that, that given our, the, the advances in our society for, um, for um, securing criminals, uh, people that have uh, committed heinous crimes, the death penalty should be, quote, very rare, if not practically non-existent, end quote. And the, the catechism paragraph is pulling uh, exactly from, from 2267. And one of the things that really speaks to me about that is like, um, you know, John Paul II, I don't know if you know anything about this guy, but he's like, he's not a wilting daisy. Like he's, uh, you know, he, he, he suffered, um, uh, or Hitler, he suffered under Stalin. Like he looked evil in the eye, like the, the, the bloodiest century of all times, the 20th century. Um, and yet here's a, uh, here's a man that's insisting, like, uh, actually, there's a better way. There's a better way. I should circle back to the sure. abortion-related bill that you supported that passed, correct? Yeah, the governor signed and it. And the, the death penalty bill the, uh, that you supported ended up, that failed. Right? It true. Ultimately, it failed. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, I want to talk about the Pope for a second. Um, I think there's a perception um, in society, maybe even among some in the Catholic Church, that the current Pope is pushing the Church in a more, uh, what people would call a more politically liberal um, direction. Is that, a, is that a misperception? Is that accurate? Or uh, what do you think about that? I mean, the, like I said, the, the teaching of the Catholic Church, it's all in black and white for people to read. Um, there, and I know this is not always apparent to to folks that are just maybe catching snippets in the news. Um, so the, the Pope has a teaching office. It's called a magisterium. The, 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 the Holy Father, um, you, you know when he's exercising his teaching office and, he, and when he's not, for, for us Catholics who are, are kind of watching. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I'd say that any efforts <laughs> to like characterize our Holy Father one way or the other, like... Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to try and do that. And I would urge caution to anybody that does. Okay. Uh, you mentioned earlier, uh, apparently you won't be, uh, uh, the Catholic Conference won't be endorsing candidates. Uh, no, no, that's just not, and that's a, that's a hard and fast. That's never going to happen. Okay. So. What about um, ballot issues? We have a bunch of ballot issues coming up this year <coughs> statewide, you know, ballot issues. Will the conference take positions on ballot issues? Um, I mean, it's, it's possible. Um, at this point in time, I don't have a position on any of the, the ballot issues that have been certified. Okay. okay. That's a possibility in the future. It, it could happen. Okay. Yeah. All right. 
All right, I think that's probably our, our time, Great. and I'll wrap up. But thanks a lot for joining us. I really. Well, I was happy to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, I thank hope you. I'll visit again. Soon.